Growing up sucks. Just ask Eric Lauber, father of three 20-somethings and a college professor for decades. Eric helps young adults get smarter, richer, healthier, and happier on the hashtag adulting podcast, Growing Up Sucks. In today's episode of Growing Up Sucks, I speak at length with Megan about how to have assertive communications with people, not passive, not aggressive, not passive-aggressive, but assertive, which is the right way to talk out tough things with people. Hey, Megan, welcome to the show today. This is uh, Growing Up Sucks. We had a brief conversation before today about our topic, so I know what we're going to get into. But before we do that, let's just learn a little bit about yourself. So what's your name? Where are you from? How old are you? Hi, thank you for having me, Dr. Lubber. I'm Megan Donny. I am 22 years old, which sounds so weird. I feel like I'm still 20. Um, I am from outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I am majoring in journalism and public relations, along with fashion merchandising. And yeah, that's just a little bit about me. So we were going to talk today about having really tough conversations. And uh, I asked you to come in with a story or two. So let's Let's start with you. So what's an example of a really tough conversation you've had? Um, An example of one was definitely when I was about to come into college and I didn't know where I was going yet. It was like the spring and we had until May to decide. And me being me, I took until May 1st to decide. Everybody else already knew. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And my parents sat me down, which was unusual because usually my parents are very laid back we never have like sit down conversations about things but they sat me down and they're like we've looked at 10 colleges and we really are enthusiastic about this one specific college for you it's perfect for your major and it just feels like the right fit for you and it's like economically would work and we want you to go here and Mm -hmm. that's that And they said, like, they implied that it was really my choice because it is, but that this is what they wanted. And it kind of felt like the undertone there was that if I didn't pick that school, they were going to be disappointed in me. At least that's how I felt. I don't actually know if that's how they felt because they never said that. It was just immediately I was like, they're going to be disappointed in me. And it was a really hard conversation because sitting there, I couldn't get the words out to tell them no. That's not what I want. We visited that school twice and both times it didn't feel like home for me. It felt, I felt very distant there. And I was also 10 hours away from home. It just didn't feel right in a different state. It just, none of it felt right to me, but to them looking in, it looked perfect for me. It was a perfect fit, but for me, they don't know. uh, They're not in my body. They didn't know how I felt in my head. So I had to get out the words. I'm sorry, mom and dad. But no, I want to go to this other school. It's closer. It has a lot of different options for me. And I just felt better here. And I did end up getting those words out. But of course, while I was saying them, I was rambling and I was Mm. mumbling and I was not. My conversation was all over the place. And they didn't, they never said like, we're disappointed in you. And they never came out and said anything like that. They supported me and they still support me. And to this day now, they tell me like, you made the right choice. Mm -hmm. Because in the end, I'm graduating with two majors, with a great GPA. I've made friends. I have great extracurriculars. Like they're very happy in my choice now. But back then, it was a really hard conversation to have with them. And looking back on it, I still like feel like it was horrible. (laughs) Well, that's let me focus in on the emotions. Did you know you were going to have that conversation before it started? Like, did they warn you? Hey, we're going to talk about this. 
Um, sometimes they actually, when I, they talk, they sit down with my brother a lot and they always warn him, like, look, we need to talk about this today. But with me, no, they were kind of like, Hey, let's just talk about like your college options. They didn't tell me they were going to straight up tell me like, this is what we want you to do. They just kind of wanted to sit and have like an open discussion about it, but it kind of turned into them saying, you should do this. You, is there a lot of you words in there? So it felt target. I felt a little bit targeted if you know what I mean. Did you, uh, did your body react? Did you cry or did you feel stressed or did you have, you know, adrenaline pumping through you? Um, so yes, <laughs> I always cry when it comes to sort of high stakes conversations. I always break down, especially if I'm anxious about something, I get stomach aches. So that was starting to happen. I was getting teary eyed. I was definitely like almost like shaking with nervousness. Cause I was like, I can't believe I have to like come out and tell them like, no, because I've always been very, I've never been a rebel. I've never been someone who doesn't listen to their parents. And I usually always take their advice. But this one time I was like, I can't do it. Right. That's, and particularly if you have that relationship with your parents that you've not, if you're not a rebel and you haven't over and over and over had these tough conversations, then, then you're what, 18 and you suddenly have this one. It's, it's kind of late to have it. You're like, wow, I don't know how to do this. And the thing that you were feeling was adrenaline spike. You can get shaky. You can you can cry. The the neuroendocrine system kicks in with a lot of chemicals, and and your body does react to that. One of the things that people have to come to grips with is not to feel like that emo that bodily feeling. How do I want to say this? That bodily feeling can be separated from your cognition. I mean, you can recognize it's happening, but at the same time, it doesn't mean you have to get off track. Like you can't finish the conversation just because you're having this reaction from your body. And by the way, men cry in these situations too. Like I've, I've had many conversations where I teared up because I was so stressed and I didn't know how to say this. And it was a really difficult conversation. So, um, so you had this conversation, you got through it. It took a while, right? Your words didn't come fast, didn't come easy. In the end, when you walked out of the conversation, how did you feel? I felt relieved that I did tell them, like, I didn't just cave. Mm -hmm. I feel like half of me expected almost to just be like, okay, I'll just do it. Because I'm so used to not letting them down. I was like, maybe I should just do it. It'll be fine. Like, maybe I'll end up liking it. Yeah, it's the top school for my program. Why wouldn't I like it? But in the end, I was like, no. And I walked away feeling good that I stuck to what I knew was true inside even yeah. though some of me was trying to convince myself to just go along with their plan. So I did feel really relieved. I didn't feel, I wish that I had been more prepared. I also felt that I wish that I like knew what I was doing going into the conversation rather than me just having to come up with everything on the spot, my defenses for why this was what I was doing. So yeah. I wish I'd been a little more prepared, but overall I felt relieved that I stuck most true to myself. Well, it sounds like you were pretty good being assertive in this conversation. Like you got out what you needed to get out, despite the fact you're having this bodily reaction. And despite the fact you caught, caught off guard. And so therefore that adrenaline spikes pretty quick. Let me describe uh, some of the stuff I teach in my communications and leadership courses about styles of communication. So there's, let me, let me do it in the form of a pop quiz. So let, Megan, when you go to a restaurant and you get soup, but it's cold. Do you either just eat it and pay for it and don't say anything? Do you get angry, refuse the soup, insist on seeing the manager, complaining to everybody you can? 
Or do you call the waiter over and tell him or her your soup is cold and you'd like to have a hot soup? I actually have never been in this situation before, but I would probably do three because I'm not the kind of person who gets immediately. I know people like that who get immediately outraged with the situation and have to, like you said, call over the manager and gets really heated or angry. But also at the same time, I'm a little bit of one and three. I could also see myself just suffering through it and just dealing with it because I don't want to upset anybody. I'm like the kind of person where I sometimes have social anxiety that Mm -hmm. leads me to just stay quiet instead of speaking up about something. So I could go either way. I feel like it depends on the day for me. If I'm having a really like good day and I feel like really like my communication skills that day have been going really well, I'll send the soup back and like be as nice as possible about it. But if I'm not, maybe I'll eat it. Okay. And I've had this happen many times. And and like you, the varies by the day. Some days I'm like, I don't want to bother. I'll just eat the cold soup. I don't care. But, you know, there's days where I like, you know, I want to bring this up to somebody. Let me ask you another one. then. So uh, you have a friend that you think is holding a grudge against you, right? Something's happened. You don't know why. They're acting differently. Do you, uh, one, pretend you're unaware of, of their anger and hope that it just corrects itself? Two, do you get even with the person somehow? Like, how dare you hold a grudge against me? So you kind of strike back. Or three, do you ask them if they're angry and then try to have that hard conversation? So I have been in this situation many okay. times. And I have like a whole strategy for it at this point, which is a little bit of, again, one in three. Um, I'll stay quiet for a little bit and just be very nice to them and see if it just blows over. Maybe they'll maybe it's a small thing that they'll just get over in like a day or two. And I just act nice and act like for a little bit, act like nothing's wrong. If that's not working, then I'll go with number three and say, sit down and say, are you mad at me? I'm not afraid to say that, but sometimes I feel like it would be best if I just leave it alone and they'll get over it on their own. Maybe it's not something. If I know what I did though, then I'll say like, are you mad at me for this? But if it's something where I have no clue what I did, I'll kind of let it alone. And then, if it doesn't, if they start acting nice back to me, if they act like nothing's wrong and we're all acting like nothing's wrong, it goes away. Usually it's a mostly, it was me in high school. That was kind of my strategy in college. I haven't had as many situations where someone's holding a grudge, but I'm, I'm not afraid to go with someone and say like, are you upset at me? If so, why? And what can I do to fix it? So that's good. That's, that's, that's a very good trait. And um, obviously we want three to be the answer to both of those situations where you have that tough conversation, but a lot of people want to avoid any conflict at all. And so they, they choose one. They're very passive. They figure if they speak up, if they try that conversation, it's not going to go well. It's going to generate conflict. So for example, um, people who are passive want to avoid conflict at all costs. They think that's the worst thing that could happen is a, there's a flare up and there's a fight. But I want to correct that. That's not the worst thing that can happen. The worst thing that happens is you never get what you want, what you need in life because you never speak up, right? You don't, you're so afraid of the conflict that you end up on the losing end of so many situations. So we don't want to be completely passive. Of course, the second answer in all those is really aggressive. And we don't want to always be aggressive. We don't want to go out and hurt, deliberately hurt people. That's not our objective either. You ever hear of something called passive aggressive? Yes. 
I have what, heard of that. What, what do you think it means? I, what's your definition of it? Um, my definition would be when, say, I do go to someone and I say, like, are you mad at me? I'm saying it in a way that I don't actually want to know. I'm saying it passive aggressively. I'm like, are you mad at me? Like, why are you mad at me? Like, there's some anger behind it. There's a little bit of resentment behind it. Like, how dare you be mad at me? But at the same time, I'm like, it comes off like I'm asking, like, are you mad at me? But I'm being... It's not like I really want to fix the situation. It's more of me just wanting to. Yeah. It's almost like getting back at someone a little bit. Yeah. Having them acknowledge, oh, no, I'm not. You're like, well, I knew you were. So now you've had to say you're not because <laughs> I yeah. made you say you're not. So you can't be because I made you say it. Right. That's a that's a passive aggressive. You know, a mildly passive aggressive person often is not aware that they're really angry. But it comes out, it sneaks out in their behavior and in their conversations then of course a more passive aggressive person might even deny explicitly deny that they're angry when they really are. And then, you know, bad behavior kind of sneaks out on the side as well. So, you know, the passive aggressive people will use sarcasm a lot. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like that's a little bit of what you were describing there. Yeah. And sarcasm will just sneak out and it'll be a way for them to kind of manage the situation kind of get things said but not really get things said because they're not yeah. they're not saying can we sit down and have a, a real big honest conversation of course what we think of as passive aggressive is often complaining about people behind their back right that's the i'm passive to your face i'm aggressive when you're not in the room that's another way of thinking about passive aggressive which is what we don't want right i mean that's that's not the the proper way to go about this so all right. So is there any other situation you can think of where you had some tough times having a conversation? Um, yeah. So like I said, when we talked before, I haven't had a lot of workplace situations, though I've worked a lot of my life. I'm not in the workforce yet. So I haven't really had those kind of sit down conversations with a boss or a manager where they need to comment on my performance. But I have had situations with significant others where you have to as a lot of people know, you have to sit down and either say like, we need to fix this or I'm breaking up with you. Like this isn't working anymore. And I've been on, I guess the receiving and the giving end of that situation where I've broken up with someone and I've been broken up with. And those situations as they sound similar are so different because one, you're going into the conversation with a plan with probably talking points. If you're like me, I go in with talking points. I know exactly what I want to say when I'm breaking up with someone. I'm like, look, this is going wrong. This is going wrong. This is going wrong. We've tried to fix it. It hasn't worked. We're not, we're not working. And sometimes those conversations do turn into productive conversations and maybe you end up trying to fix it again. But in the end, usually they don't go very well. And then you're on the other end where you're the one being broken up with and you have no plan whatsoever to defend yourself. Kind of like the situation where my parents told me, look, we want you to go here. I had no defenses planned for myself where I was trying to save my, like almost like you're trying to save yourself. You're like, no, look, we can make it work. No, like, and those conversations are very, they get, can get very heated. I've been yelled at, I've yelled. So they can get, they can escalate or they could be low where you're both crying. And like you've said, I've broken up with guys and they've cried. I've been broken up with and the guys cried breaking up with me. Like mm -hmm. it just, it, all when the emotions are out there, mm -hmm. they're out there and you're going to 
feel like everything, like you could be screaming or you could be crying, you could be doing both. And those kind of conversations, it's really hard to manage them. So when you get uh, angry or you're having these shouting, or what kind of words come out? Where, do you, where did you learn how to have these fights? I have no idea where I learned <laughs> that question threw me off. Um, my parents are, have been married for over 25 years. They, I don't see them fight. I, don't, I never grew in a house, up in a house where my parents fought. So I never saw any kind of domestic fights. But I have a younger brother, and we yelled at each other every single day. So <laughs> I know how to yell. Um, those words, I feel like they just come with anger. When someone, when you're saying like, look, this, this, and this is wrong. We can't fix it. And the person comes back at you and says, you're wrong. You're wrong. This isn't wrong. Like we work, blah, blah, blah. And then you get angry. Like you're not listening to me. And I feel like that's where the words, like you're not on the same page. So you just start saying words. And sometimes they are passive aggressive. Sometimes you get some digs out at the other person when you get that upset and you're like, look, like, and you're trying not to use you words. I've learned through classes that you shouldn't use you words, especially in conversations like these where you're like, I'm feeling like this and I'm feeling like that. When you start yelling, you start saying you, and yeah. then it gets worse. No, I want to reiterate what you just said, because that's something I wanted to bring up today. Is, and uh, when you're in those heated conversations, you're right. You want to avoid the you statements and just try I statements. Like, I feel this way. I, I, here's what I'm thinking. Don't keep placing things on the other person. It sounds like you've learned that. So also avoid exaggerations. Like, don't start a sentence like, you always or you are such and such, or you constantly, or you never, you know, you're the most blankety blank because they're never true. And what they're going to do is they're going to focus the conversation on that topic. And that isn't necessarily where the heart of the, the matter is, right? Now you're off on a tangent mm-hmm. talking about whether you do always or you never, right? And, and that's not, so those exaggerations don't make any progress, but you're right. One of the, one of the big pieces of advice is, is to try to use the I statements. And, and describe your own feelings and what you're thinking and what you think the right plan is. Another one, by the way, is to say no when you mean it. You know, sometimes people get, they feel like they don't want to do something, but it's like they feel obliged or they can't figure out a way to say no. Um, and you know, it's okay to change your mind. That's one of the things we teach in our communications courses. If you change your mind, you just have to express that. I've changed my mind. I want to say no now. Or yes, if the, if the answer now is yes. So people sometimes feel like once I've given some kind of commitment. And the, th- and the third piece of advice is to ask for thinking it over time. Right? Can I have some time to process this? <laughs> can, we, can we revisit this? When do you need an answer by? That's a very common phrase in the working world. Is you don't make a decision on the spot. You know your body is, the adrenaline's kicking in. You know you're emotionally you know, caught up in the moment, you want some time to cool off and think. So you just say, when would you let, when do you need an answer by? Because I like some thinking it over time. Even if it's, I'm going to leave the room and walk around for five minutes and come back in. It's remarkable how much that can calm you down and you make a better decision and you speak better. But I'm surprised to hear you say, well, my parents have never argued, so I don't argue like them. In my classes, when I really have a lot of young people, and I say, have you ever sounded like your parent? They would go, oh, oh yeah, <laughs> I sound like my parent. And that's partly because where else would you have gone role modeling of how to have these really high stakes, tough conversations? Faculty don't do it in front of you. Your high school teachers didn't have big arguments in front of you. You spent most of your time in school. So it's probably 
family, parents. Now, you may have seen some on TV, but you probably didn't watch enough of the same show to see the same patterns. But the patterns that you probably learned come from your mom and dad. And by the way, when you have kids, you're going to sound like your mom and dad. You can't avoid it. It's like at some point, it's going to pop out and you go, oh, that's exactly what my mom would have said or my dad. Then that's natural because when you have an emotional reaction, the brain narrows its cognition. It's, it doesn't think broadly. It doesn't brainstorm. It thinks, what's the overlearned behavior that I can initiate right now that will hopefully solve this problem? We call it the fight or flight complex, right? Or the mm -hmm. fight or flight reaction. So I'm only going to do these two things. I'm either going to fight or I'm going to flight. And a lot of passive people will flight, right? They'll run from the conflict. A lot of aggressive people will fight, right? They want to get into the conflict. They want to dominate and they want to win. But it isn't really the best solution. It, if you can approach it as win-win, I want you to get whatever you need out of this conversation. I want myself to get whatever I need out of this conversation. We just have to put it all on the table. And I'm sure that between us, we'll work it out. That's kind of the, the crux of the, of the advice. So when you broke up, was there a lot of sharing? Was there a lot of, I feel this, and this is what I think, and things like that? Yeah, so on my end, there was a lot of it, but I feel like I blindsided him, so he was mostly sitting there, kind of like clearly distraught that I just, because I didn't, like my, with my parents, I did not give him a warning. Hmm. Like, I mean, to be fair, it's a breakup. I don't really know if you need a warning, but... Um, it just wasn't working for a little bit and I just knew like there's like a bunch of things built up that I had and I hit my final like straw like me and my friends talk about this all the time when we have boyfriends sometimes we're like oh my gosh I'm almost at that final straw where like the, the camel's back is gonna break and I'm gonna break up with him and that's kind of what happened in that situation where I went in I had all these things and I used a lot of I statements because I knew that that's what you're supposed to do. And like I said, when I got angry and started yelling, I started using you statements and then he got defensive mm -hmm. and tangents happen, a lot of tangents, but yeah, he, it was a lot of you statements on my, or on I statements on my part. And then he was coming back with the you statements and I was getting a little, a little upset about those you statements. But in the end, I knew he was just trying to defend himself because he was blindsided by this and wasn't prepared. And though we, there were a lot of conversations where I was like, this is what happened. And he defended himself and said, well, I feel like this is what happened. And we'd talk about it. And there were, there were good conversations. There were low points of crying and screaming, but then there were good points where we came to an agreement. Like, you're right. This wasn't working. I want to jump in. I just want to say a couple of things. One is, you know, why did you let things build up to the breaking point? Did you not bring up those topics earlier? And, and or were you holding on to them, not getting them resolved one by one until they piled up? I was being kind of passive, honestly. Okay. I was being someone I was like, it's fine. I'm not going to address it. I'm just going to let it go. Or I'd be like, it's fine. It's fine. Or I would address it and we'd, talk about fixing it and then it wouldn't work and then he would I'd be like it's fine again it's fine again and all of those times of me being passive led to me being assertive and finally going in there and saying this 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 and this yeah. I'm done I'm blindsided like you said like he thought those things may have been worked out but they weren't yes I, I have one of my kids who uh, I think has a pattern of that they let they let things just build and build and build and build a bit and then they dump 
everything on the other person. And there's no way the other person can come back from that, right? Because by that point, my kid is done, right? They, but the, I keep wanting to say, why didn't you bring all that up sooner? Why didn't you just, you could work them out when they're small grease. Don't let them just mm-hmm. get bigger and bigger and bigger in your head. You're being too passive, actually, is, is what I wanted to say. And I, you know, and I'm not perfect. I've had lots of disagreements with my spouse. We've been married 30 years almost. So, and we've worked out. The other thing I want to mention, by the way, and I don't know if you've ever done this, is we do a postmortem. That means after death on the argument the next day or a couple days, whenever we're calmed down, we'll go back and revisit it and go, you know, when you said this, that really made me mad. And let me explain why. And I, I can't do it in the moment. In the moment, we're trying to solve the problem or whatever we're trying to get out. And my wife has always said, you know, sometimes an argument in a shouting match is the only way to say certain things that you're trying to say. But she says it doesn't mean you break up, right? You can have those because her parents can have an argument. But she, uh, uh, we would go back and, and revisit them, and it made us better arguers the next time. I needed to know that when I said this or when I did this, that really ticked her off. And that explained why she went over on the deep end, in my opinion, right? So these postmortems, uh, we learned as, you know, we're both psychologists, are very helpful for us to get things said in a calmer way and on a different day. I recommend that if you're in a long-term relationship that you, you, talk, you talk about your fights when you're calm. Have you ever done that? I feel like I have, but I haven't like planned it, if you know what I mean. Like I like that you guys like end up like you both know you're going to come back to it. Whereas like we'll have an argument and then the next few days I'm still kind of thinking about it. I'm like, well, I really didn't like when he said that. And I wish I said this and I, that came out wrong. I wish I want to tell him that I said that, but it was wrong. Like I didn't mean it that way. And then I'll end up going back to him and like, we'll talk about it again. Right. Sometimes he doesn't want to talk about it again. Cause he gets a little worried that it's going to start back up, but yeah. Yeah. Well, that's perfect. But you can give him a warning. Like I'll say, um, you know, let's revisit that when you're ready and I'll wait. Yeah, maybe it's not that day. Maybe it's a couple of days later. I'll wait a few days. You guys still want to go back and talk about that when you're ready. And then, you know, my wife knows what she's going to have to find a time when she's ready. <laughs> and we're going to have to sit down and have some, you know, a big, deep conversation. Yeah, I think early in relationships, people are very afraid of any conflict because they think that just ends the relationship. And I want you know, young people to realize you can have arguments and still have a relationship. That's <laughs> so, as my wife said, sometimes that's, that's about the only time you can say some of those things you're afraid to say is in the midst of an argument. But then you got to go back and talk it out afterwards, is my opinion. You think that's good advice? I do. I do. I never really thought about it that way. But now that you're saying it, it makes a lot of sense. And I feel like it would be so helpful for a lot of people at least my age when they're in relationships, whether it's a friend or your significant other, to come back and talk about it. Because like you said, like your wife said, when you're in the heat of a conversation, sometimes it's the only time where you feel confident enough to say things that you maybe never said before because you're a little scared. Right. But, but you've wanted to say, yes, but now you're in the heat of the moment. Like I can say it now <laughs> and then you get it said, but you know, hopefully not in a hurtful way, but in a way that's honest and truthful. And, but I, I really, I really wish all of us would learn not to let things build up over time, address them when they're small. It's much, much simpler back then. Megan, I know it's because of time, I got to let you go, but uh, I've had a great conversation with you. I think this is helpful. Yeah, me too. I'm so glad we had this. All right. Well, hopefully we'll get you back sometime and we'll see how these things go. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you so much. 
Thank you for listening to the Growing Up Sucks podcast with Eric Lauber. 